that's okay. <laughs> uh, Lord Jesus, I just, uh, just want to thank you for, uh, just for being here and everyone who is here. And uh, we just pray, you know, um, your word is bigger than anyone can explain it and uh, is far greater um, than any way we can present it, really. Um, it's, it's not just timeless, it's, it's, it's complex. And, um, and yet simple at the same time, and it's, yeah. And as I just pray, Lord, uh, just basically for your help, um, because this is your word, this is your, you know, life comes through it, you know, this is, and people come to faith through hearing and hearing through your word, and so your, your word is great, it's living, it's active, it's brilliant, and uh, I, I just pray, Lord, that helps, help us all just handle it well today, and, uh, and, uh, and listen to you. And uh, just pray, speak into our hearts, prepare, prepare our hearts, prepare us, and, and change us, change what needs be in, in all of us, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Cool, cool. Right. So, um, anyone got my notes, by the way? Yay. Yeah. A bit, bit different, aren't they? <laughs> Basically, I drew pictures, so, yeah. If you, if you had colouring pencils, you'd, you'd have something to do while I'm talking, so you could just colour it in. But, um, yeah, yeah, it kept it fresh. So, anyway, um, so if, if you have my notes, it will say right on the front, how much more, which has been scribbled out because I got the title wrong, and then recalled it, how will he not also, because I got the complete wrong scripture. And, because um, that's the way I do things. Um, and the funny thing is, it's got nothing to do with that verse whatsoever, it's just I wanted that there as a title. Um, but we will come back to that verse later. It's in Romans. But how will he not also? It's kind of the thing. I don't know. I feel boomy. Right. But yeah, before I start, I, I just want to ask, just by show of hands or jumping up and down, whatever you really want to do, um, who's a Christian? Hooray! On our mission. Yeah, yeah. You hold it high. I want, I want to see. I want, I want your hands really high in the air. Yeah, cool, good, and keep, that's good, that's good, keep it up. Now, I want you to keep your hand up if you've ever prayed as well. That's so cool. And keep your hand up if you've also had answer to any prayer, any prayer whatsoever. Okay, good. And I want you to remember whatever that is. Find something specific, focus on it, remember it. I'm coming back to that, okay? Bit of audience participation. Right, so, uh, today I'm talking about, um, I'm going to Matthew. So I'm, I'm going at old school as well. You know, you actually need a Bible. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to Matthew 4. And basically I'm going to talk to you about the temptation of Jesus. Uh, people know this story about the temptation of Jesus. He has his baptism. He then goes into the wilderness. Uh, and Satan comes and tempts him um, to sin. And then, you know, he says, go away. And Satan goes. And then he gets on with the rest of the story. Um, Everyone know that one? Yeah? Yeah? Good? Cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a common one. It's a normal one. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I basically want to talk about that and, uh, and basically what, what, what God has kind of shown me through that. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to dive in and we, we're going to talk about this. So the temptation of Jesus, it starts at Matthew 4 and we're starting at verse 1. He says, uh, so he's at his baptism, all of that. Then... Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, 
It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then the devil took him to the holy city. He had him stand on the pinnacle, the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Because it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you. And they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, well, it's also written, don't test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. So Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and immediately angels came and began to serve him. The end. It doesn't say the end, but that's, that's the end of it. Right, cool. Um, so that's, that's the story. There's, there's two other versions of it in, in, in the Gospels. Uh, exactly the same, actually. It's not different versions, just written by different people. Um, and uh, so the main thing that I used to think about this was, all right, that's cool, you know. Um, maybe you thought the same, you know. You, you read for it, okay, well, what, what can we get out of this? Okay, uh, well... You know, Jesus is being tempted to sin. Okay, well, how does Jesus deal with being tempted to sin? Okay, cool. So we've got we've got a nice we've got a nice um, story. Or, well, it's a, a real the way the real way Jesus handled things, and we can take certain things from that. Okay, he uses scripture uh, against against um, against temptation to sin. Okay, well, we need to we need to start using scripture to uh, from temptation to sin. We need to start internalizing scripture. Great point. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, this is it's about standing against the devil and resisting him. Okay, that's what we need to do. And that's great. And uh, that's probably the, the, the furthest I ever really used to get. And, um, and, and, and the thing is, we, we, we think, yeah, this is, just, this is just showing us how to be like Jesus, how to resist temptation to sin. But when you really look at it, it's odd, don't you think? Don't you think it's weird? I mean, I mean... When I think of temptation and sin, I'm, I'm thinking of the things, you know, you know stealing, uh, uh, murder. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I'm not thinking murder. But, you know, I'm thinking those sort of things, you know. It's, it's like stealing, lying, um, whatever. Um, and yet, th- there's none of that. It's like, okay, uh, you know, I've never been tempted to worship the devil, as far as I know. Um, I've never... You know, I've never been tempted to throw myself off a, a, a pinnacle, and I've, I've definitely never been tempted to turn sto- uh, stones into bread. I don't think I even can do that. You know, I've, I've tried, but it doesn't work. So, um, but, but they're, they're odd. They're odd temptations. And, and some of them are blatant, like, worship me? I like, it's Jesus. He's not going to worship you. This, this, this sounds, in, in some ways, easy. And then you have to realize that... It's got something else about it. It's not just about temptations to sin in general. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with temptation specifically in a certain context. And the context is trial. It's all about trial. Jesus here is going through a trial. And we know what trials are. Um, trials are stuff like um, you've been sick a long time and you don't feel like you're getting any better. And you're kind of wondering where God is in that. That's a trial. Trial is, uh, the, 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 the other person, we never, don't really usually think about it, but the, the person whose um, child is sick or sibling is sick or um, whose wife is, or husband is sick or whose mum or dad is sick, you know, and, and what they go through as, as the carer or the, or the person who loves them, you know, that's a trial. Uh, trials are, 
you know, you have an unbelieving spouse. That can be hard. That's a trial. You know, it can be going through a bout of depression. That's a trial. It can be uh, you, you lost your job. That's a trial. Or you're in a dead-end job and you, and you, or, or, or a high-paying job or whatever job you is, and you just realize, you know what, I, I'm bored. That's a trial. Um, could be you didn't get the results you wanted at school. It's a trial. It's, there's, there's emotions you're dealing with. It's, there are things that are hard, and, and no trial is harder or easier than another because we all deal with things in different ways. You know, because someone's suffering physically doesn't stop the person who's suffering mentally. You know, it's it's all very real, and they're trials and they're hard times, and that's the context. Jesus is going through a hard time. He's just been in the desert. Well, I say desert, it's wilderness, a bit different. But, you know, he's been in the wilderness 40 days. He's had no food, you know. I, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. You know, that's, and it's not just that, but you, you also have to realise everything else. You know, he knows who he is and what he has to do. He knows he's going to suffer badly. And he knows he's going to die. And he knows the wrath of God is going to come on him at some point. And, and that's hard. And at this point in time... He's hungry, and, and, and what it seems like is, is it's just him and the devil, and it's him in a struggle. That's the context. And it's good to, uh, to recognise that context, because now we can see what this is. Because when we look at these temptations, we, think, we might think, I don't think I've ever been tempted in any of those ways. But I'll tell you what, you've always been tempted in all these three ways. This is the most common way Satan will attack you at every single point in your life. And it doesn't look that way, but when we dig deeper, you'll see. Okay, and so this is it. So this whole thing is about fighting off Satan in trials. Does that sound good? Do you know how to deal with trials and get through them? That's a good good thing. Jesus has given us a way to do that. That's great. And, you know, and and, and the thing is, you know, knowing the truth about things sets us free and helps us. uh, so, yeah, uh, looking forward to that, yeah? Yeah, 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 good, 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 yeah, good. Right, cool. So, um, so let's, let's look at the first one. So I'm going to break these down into the three different ones. So you've got the three different temptations. You've got turning stones to bread, throwing yourself off a temple, and worshipping the devil, okay? They're the three temptations, okay? So let's break them down. So, so I'm going to start again. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so the tempter, the devil, approached him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Odd temptation. And the secret to what this actually means and what the actual sin is, because you think, well, why would turning bread, stones into bread be a, a sin if he has the power to do it? The, the, the secret behind it is in Jesus' answer. He says... It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This isn't Jesus being, uh, you know, spinning a nice way of saying things. I I, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually a quotation. And uh, here's a a top tip, okay? A top tip or life hack or whatever you want to call it these days, okay? Every time you see a quotation in the Bible that's quoting from the Old Testament, Read it. Don't just read it here, but go back here, find it, read, 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 read a few verses before it, a few verses after it, or the whole chapter. Read it, because when he quotes, any time there's a quote in the New Testament, it doesn't just mean the quote that it's quoting, it means everything around that quote that it's quoting. That's how rabbis 
basically use scripture. They use a little bit, but when they use a little bit, they don't just mean a little bit, they mean all of it. Okay? And so it's always good to go back and see what he's quoting. So Jesus is very specifically quoting from Deuteronomy. And the great thing is, by the way, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to see it. If you have the HCSB, by the way, um, uh, it, they have these little... Bold, they, everything's bold when it's, in high, um, when it's like a quotation sort of thing, which is very cool. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, so this quote is from Deuteronomy, and that's where we're going to go. So Deuteronomy 8. And I'm just going to read the whole thing and, uh, and comment on it as I go. So this is, this is what Jesus means when he says what he says. Okay, he's quoting God, who's talking to the Israelites. And the Israelites have basically, um, they've come out of Egypt, they've gone through the wilderness, and now they're just about to enter uh, the promised land. Before they do, Moses is uh, giving the law to them again and, and talking to them again and highlighting the stuff that has happened throughout their journey. And this is, and this is God's word uh, to them at this point. You must, be, you must carefully follow every command I am giving you today. This is uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Um, so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land Yahweh, that's our God, swore to your fathers. Remember that Yahweh, your God, led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Okay, well, there you go. So Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. He's basically um, going through and, and, and doing what the Israelites did, in, in a sense. Um, and so, so, so they're both in the wilderness, 40 years, 40 days. Um, why? That's always a good question. Why is Jesus here? Why did they go through that wilderness? Well, he says... He led you on the entire journey in these these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Why do we go through trial? Why is it that us as Christians, we, we go through hard times? God says that he might humble you and test you to see what is in your hearts, whether or not you'll obey him or not. He wants to test you. And he's not maliciously. He, want, he wants to see what you've learned. He wants to see if you trust him enough. You know, we all have all these good times, but then when the bad times hit, sometimes we, we, we spin out of control. You know, and, and it's kind of like, well, you, you trust me enough in the good times, I want you now to see if you can, if you can apply that here. Can you apply that same level of trust when all things are well to when all things are not well? He wants to test your heart. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Aha! There you go. So Jesus is hungry. They were hungry. Um, That's their specific test. And then he gave you manna to eat. That's bread from heaven. Which you and your fathers had not known so that you might learn, here's the kicker, that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God okay it's about my provision for you not your provision for you this is the temptation that Jesus is facing Satan is telling him you haven't eaten have you when's God going to feed you I mean God's told you not to eat but when's he actually going to provide for you? 
Where is he? He's not providing for you. Just do it yourself. Go on, you've got the power. Just, just, just do, it, do it yourself. Don't trust him. He's, he's, not, he's not paying out. You do it. That's the temptation. And isn't that common? That's not, that's not specific just to Jesus anymore, is it? That is really common. I mean, there are lots of times we go through hard times where we think, well, God's not doing anything. So maybe I should do something about it. You know? I mean, just, uh, just a co- uh, 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 an example, if, if, if you're starving or whatever and you've got no food, no home or whatever, you might be tempted to, to steal something to eat. And, no one's, and you think no one's going to judge you for that because you're hungry. But, you know, God doesn't like stealing. And God's your provider if you're, in fact, with God. And so that would be wrong. You know, I'd be, you'd be, I don't trust God enough, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And we can see that in lots of different things, especially in like, stuff like, uh, you know, someone's hurt you in some way and oh, God's not doing anything I want to get back at him you know take, it's taking matters into your own hands that's the sin okay now let's, let's keep going okay so um, man does not live on bread alone so man doesn't live by his own his, his, his own provision but on, um, on every word that comes from the mouth of God on God's provision and here's the thing and then God makes this point your clothing the whole time talking to the Israelites did not wear out and your feet did not swell the whole 40 years. Keep in mind that Yahweh your God has been disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. Again, think of the Jesus link. He's disciplining Israel, he's disciplining Jesus. Okay? So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For God, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land with streams of water, springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, pomegranates. And this is what he promised Israel, but, but that, that's the point. God, God, is, God is not just doing it for the sake of it. He's bringing us into something better, but we have to go through this to get to this. Okay, That's what it was with Adam and Eve as well. If they had passed, they just needed to go through a trial to get to the better part. It's always the case. Okay? He wants to do good. And he, and he goes on, he goes on, he explains how good everything is. And then he says, be careful that you don't forget God by failing to keep his command um, I, that I'm giving you today. When, when you eat and you're full and you build beautiful houses to live in, when all is good, um, be careful your heart doesn't become proud and you forget that Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so he brought you out of slavery, he led you through the terrible wilderness. It's poisonous snakes. There's, there's something. We've got a poisonous snake here with Jesus. And scorpions. Uh, thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the, the rock for you. He fed you with manna that your fathers had not known in order to humble you and test you. Why? So that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my ability gained this for me, but don't you dare forget, remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain that. Okay? It's believing in your own might more than God's. That's the whole point. And, and, and like I said earlier, he doesn't just put up trials because he's sadistic, that he's not God. He puts up trials because he wants to test to see if you trust him enough. Okay, it's a relationship. God displays his level of trust. He shows you his goodness. And then he wants to see if, you, if, you, if you're clued in enough to give him some goodness back when things are rough. And then, if so, he's got something better. Okay? So that's the meaning of trial, in a sense, um, from, from God's word. And, and, and that's the first point. 
Um, we are depending on God and his provision, not our own within trial. Okay? And, and God, doesn't, God doesn't see you taking um, your, your own way as a good thing. In, in, in Jeremiah, he, he calls it out. He says, um, he says uh, I gave him this command in the desert. I didn't give him all these sacrifices and all of that at first. I just told him this. I just said, obey me. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And just follow, follow what I tell you because I do know better than you. I am God. I made everything. Okay? Um, and so that it may uh, go well with you. I want things to go well for you. But they didn't listen or pay attention. But they decided, they followed their own advice and according to their own stubborn, evil hearts. Oh, sorry, no, it was according to their own stubborn, evil hearts. So, so the point is God calls it evil. You, you focus on yourself and, and, you, and, you, and you choose your way as deceitful. He calls it out. He doesn't see it as a good thing. It's, it's, we might say, oh, God understands. Well, yeah, he understands, but he's not happy with it. That's the truth. Okay, so that's point one. Next one. Matthew, well, we'll see Matthew. So, um, so okay, so first, first test passed, Jesus. Um, so then the devil then took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Okay, so it's very high temple. I should have, I should have looked up how high it was, in all fairness. But it's very high. It's high enough to, you know, you hit the bottom, you, you're, not, you're not surviving. Um, so this really high place on the temple. And he said to him, you know, if, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Because it is written, he will give his angels concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so you will not strike your foot against the stone. Okay, so he's telling Jesus to, to throw himself off, a, in, in a sense, a cliff. Um, why? Why would Jesus do that? Um, it's, it's actually quite simple in, in some ways. Um, Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Okay, that was a good enough answer. It's, it's better than a good enough answer. It's a brilliant answer because he's actually quoting something from Deuteronomy again. And there's a full context to what he's just said. And I'm just going to read that out to you. So he's actually quoting from Deuteronomy 6 uh, something. 16, there we go. And he says, in the whole context, fear, fear Yahweh your God, worship him, take your oaths in his name, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God is among you as a jealous God. He'll get angry with you. Do not test the Lord your God, and it's, the sentence isn't finished, in the same way you tested him at Massa. Where's Massa? Where's Massa? It's a very specific, don't, don't test him the way you did at Massa. That's very specific. And Jesus means exactly the same thing. Okay, well, what happened at Massa? Let's have a look. Um, so we get to Exodus 17. And basically, um, God's led him out of the wilderness. And uh, he's led him into the, the, um, it's an oasis called Elim. That's what we're named after. Hey, right? So, um, so he leads him to this oasis and he, and he tells them, you know, just obey me and we'll, we'll get through. You know, uh, just listen to me because I, I know what's going. I know what's going on ahead. So, okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll submit to you no matter what. Fair enough. And they go, and then they complain. So they complain about not having any food, um, which is what we just talked about. And um, and God got a bit angry with them, but he, he provided for them anyway. And and now they're moving on. And and this is where we we start here. So uh, the entire Israelite community left the wilderness of Zin, uh, moving on from one place to the next according to uh, God's command. And they camped at a place called Rephidim. But there was no water there for people to drink. So the people complained to Moses. Complained. Give us water to drink. Where do you think I'm getting water from? You know, I mean, that's, that shows kind of some level of faith there. I mean, they, they know somehow Moses can give them water, but they're not asking, they're demanding. Uh, and he says, why, why are you complaining to me? 
Moses replied to them. Why are you testing God? There you go, testing God. But the people there were so thirsty, they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Is that your reason? So quite a... Right, something to say, really. And then, so then Moses basically cried out to God, what should I do with these people? It's, it's so bad. In a little while, they're literally going to stone me. They are picking up the rocks as we speak. And, 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 and God says to Moses, you know what? Just go ahead of the people. Take some elders. Take the staff that you struck the Nile with, that, you know, separated everything. I'm going to stand there with you and uh, in front of this rock. And you're going to hit it. And water's just going to come out of it and people will drink. And so Moses did that. That's exactly what happened. And so they they called that place Massa, which means testing. They also called it Meribah, which means complaining. And they called them both those things because the Israelites complained and because they tested God by saying, is he with us or is he not? That's, that's That's the temptation in this test. This is the second temptation in this test. Is he with you or is he not? Okay? Because we've been there. I know we've all been there. Right? You know, it's, it's not coming. God doesn't seem to be providing. And you're not taking things into your own hands. But then this comes along. God isn't good. You wouldn't be going through this if God was good. You wouldn't. And, 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 he's, and he's what, and, and, and remember Jesus, uh, sorry, Jesus, Satan uses some scripture, doesn't he? Remember, he, he says, he will give his angels orders concerning you. They will support you with their hands. So he will not strike your foot against the stone. That's Psalm, um, that's Psalm 91. He's quoting from it. And, and, and it's very, very clever. It's very clever. It's, 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 it's an interesting psalm as well. It's a, it's a difficult one to, to understand sometimes. I mean, if, if, if I read a bit to you, if, you know, um, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will deliver you from the hunter's nets, from the plagues. He will cover you with feathers. He'll protect you. Um, you won't fear terror. You won't fear destruction. You won't fear plagues uh, or, or disease. Um, a thousand may fall at your side, but you know what? It won't even touch you. Um, you know, you, you won't even stub your foot against the stone. It sounds like this psalm is about never getting into trouble. That's, that's what, this, if you read the whole thing through, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like this, you know, no, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can hurt me. God's got me, and uh, the only time I ever suffer is when I'm, I'm not good. But if I'm good and I trust in God, then he'll give me everything I ever need, and nothing will ever touch me because I'm untouchable, because God is great. And, and, and Satan quotes that to him. Look, God says he'll protect you no matter what. But, but you're suffering. It's his words, not mine. It's his words. But you're suffering. So, so surely your experience cancels out what he says. He's lying to you. It's a lie. Satan is lying. In fact, that's not what that psalm is about at all. That sounds very close. I mean, you could easily think that. But actually, if you read it and see, it says... Um, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand your right hand, pestilence won't reach you, you will only see it with your eyes, and witness what? Witness what? The punishment of the wicked. This is about judgment. This is about end time. This is about us not going to hell. This is us not being cast out of the kingdom of heaven. This is, that's what this is about. It's not about anything else. Satan twists it, and he will do that. He'll, t- he'll, take, he'll take this word of God, and he'll twist it. So that so you think, well, God should be on my side, and he's not on my side. That's what he does. Listen to this as well. This is interesting. It's, 
Exodus isn't the only place that has the story about Massa. There's also one in the Psalm, uh, Psalm 95. That's halfway through. It talks about worshipping God, and he's our maker, he's our God, we trust him. And he says this, today, 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 right here, right now, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did at Meribah or as you did at Massa. In the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. And here's the point. God just saved the whole of Israel with the most spectacular display in the whole of history that's known not just by us Christians, but by the whole world, and movies are based on it and stuff, the plagues, you know. Um, he's delivered them in the most amazing, incredible way, and he provided for them as well. All the Egyptians, literally, as they were leaving, gave them all their gear, so, so they gained all of Egypt's uh, possessions as well, so they, in a sense, robbed them. They then walked out, and then Egypt was like, well, you know what, no, we, 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 we're going to take them back. And then what does he do? He parts the sea, he marches them through, he kills all the the, the, the Egyptians. And it's such a powerful testimony that all the messengers around the area scatter to all their respective homes around uh, the promised land and stuff. And they say, this guy, these people have a God. They've got a real God. They've got a God that does stuff unlike our gods. You know, this is, this is scary. These guys are invading us. And, and, all, and all the defences go up. That's how terrifying, that's how amazing a display of salvation that, that, that he did, you know, for them. And yet, they get a bit hungry, and, and here's the thing. They know God can provide, yet instead of saying, God, where are we? please, can you help us? They say, your intention is to kill us. You do not have good intentions for us. You hate us, despite what we've seen. You hate us. You're, you're an evil God. That's exactly what they're saying. And we're tempted to do that. I've been there. You know, looking at being with someone who's suffering and saying, I, I can't believe I've asked so many times, where are you? And not just where are you, but what about this? What about what you said to me? What about, why? why? You're not good. I've been there and I've, I've repented of that. And you, but here's the thing, and, 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 and people will say this, you know, if you can't get angry with God, who can you get angry with? You know, God, God understands. Well, yeah, he understands, but he doesn't like it. You know what? Getting angry with God is not good. I'll tell you that. Cursing God is not good, no matter what anyone tells you. And here's what he says about that in, in the psalm as well. This, your fathers tested me. How did they test me? By saying I wasn't with them, that I wasn't on their side, that I was evil. That's how they tested me. And, and, and you, what was my response? For 40 years, for 40 years of these people, I was disgusted with them. And I said, there are people whose hearts just go astray all the time. They don't know my ways at all. They don't know me. They thought they knew me, but they don't. Otherwise, they would have remembered what I did for them. So I swore in my anger, they won't enter my rest. Done. That's how God views it. And this happens all the time. <laughs> this is the way things happen. See, before we get tested, he's already done something great. Remember earlier I told you, um, uh, think of a prayer that, uh, that God has answered. God's answered your prayers. You know you've got some answers to prayers. You know, remember those. It's so important to remember what God has done for you. It's more important than you think. You know, because you forget, then where are you really? And, 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 and that's not even the greatest thing. He saved you. All the references to Egypt, 
translate those. Every time you read it, every time you see, oh, we've brought him out of slavery to Egypt. I mean, the whole point of that is an illustration of what Jesus did. That's the whole point, that Jesus brought us out of sin and death. That's, that's the illustration that the Bible uses all the time. So every time you see that in the Old Testament, translate it. God has taken me out of slavery to the world, to, to sin. And he's given me, and not, he doesn't just end it there, but he's, he's got this amazing hope for me. You know, and it's not going to heaven. It's I'm, I'm, when the kingdom comes back and, and hell is pushed out, I remain. And I get to be with God forever in his kingdom on earth. That's, that's amazing. And I get, I get to... We need to take those things and trust in them. Because this is what Satan does all the time. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they may not have experienced creation itself, because they were created last, but God gave them authority and power, and they saw the goodness of the world. They were in control. They named everything. They basically, uh, I mean, the story of the Bible isn't about us being children of God. It's about us being partners with God. We're partnering with him in, 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 help, in, 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 in making a world with him. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing. And they had everything. They had everything. And then this, this, this thing, this snake, comes along that they've never even known and said, God's lying to you. Oh, okay, good point. They just witnessed his goodness. Israel, they witnessed the whole salvation. You know, they go hungry for a while. God is evil. Oh, okay. Well, what about what happened there? They don't care about what happened there. I'm fine. Jesus, in the same situation, he has just had his baptism. It's not just a baptism. God descended on him. He saw the Holy Spirit descend on him. He wasn't the only one who saw the Holy Spirit descend on him. And everyone heard a big voice saying, this is my son, I love him. He's got all the hope in the world at this point. And he knows who he is anyway, you know. But, you know, and then Satan comes to him and says, God's not on your side. He's not providing for you. Throw yourself off, test him, see if he will come through. You know. Jesus says, no, not doing it. So the second point is, in trial, do we doubt his goodness? Or do we trust him? Last one, then we'll be done. This is a good one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And all their splendor or their glory, their amazingness. And he said to I don't think amazingness is a word, but I'm not sure. Anyway, and he said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Uh, Luke explains it slightly better, actually. It's, it's not the fact that Satan can actually give him anything. He doesn't actually have it. it it's, it's authority. It's like, I have authority over all of this. This is all in my domain. I can give you that. I can give you that if you worship me. That's quite blatant. <laughs> worship me. I mean, Satan knows who his father is. <laughs> he's, he's not going to worship Satan. It's because the, the word for worship can mean one or something else. Uh, it doesn't just mean worship. It means to pay homage to or give your respects to. Um, I don't think... I mean, some people think he is being tempted to worship. I don't really think that's the case. Uh, I think it's more to do with saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm paying my respects to you. And, and, and it, here's how I get there. Okay. Um, he's shown him everything. Everything. Okay. And he says, I have this authority. Okay. What just happened before the temptation of Jesus, before all of the temptation? He was baptized. Mm-hmm. 
he was baptised. And that's really important. Why is that important? Because of what God says to him. What does God say to me? He says, if I find it, this is my beloved son, I take delight in him. We might think, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's sweet. That's a, that's a real dad. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's more than that. God, God is actually quoting something. Hey, see, lots of quotes. See, it's really important. He's quoting uh, Psalm 2. And it's important because he doesn't just mean that. He means the rest of it. What does Psalm 2 say? He says this. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. There we go. I have become your father. I take delight in you. That's the next part. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Whose are the kingdom of the worlds to give? Is it Satan's? No. Don't forget he's a liar. It's not his. He might have some authority. I mean, we see it. I mean, Satan is an authority over the evil of the world, in a sense. You know, he's, he governs the hearts of unbelievers. He's the father of, of those who, who, who trust him. It doesn't just mean Satanists, not blatant. It's just those who don't trust God, really. Um, uh, but he, he, he says, I'll, I'll give you all this. And, and it'll be easy, because you know what? You, you don't have to do what you're setting out to do to get it. I can just give it to you. But all I want you to do is just respect that my way was better. Um, it was easier. You know, you don't, you don't want to go through all that suffering later on. This, this is an easy route. I can give it to you. And it's funny because he recycles the same rubbish every single time. Go back to Garden of Eden. What does he say to Adam and Eve? He says, he says to them, God's lying to you, first of all. Um, and he says... Uh, uh, if you eat that tree from that tree that God told you would just kill you, um, you, you, know, you know what really happened? You'll be like God. That's, he's hiding that from you. He doesn't want you to be like him. Well, that's interesting because like a few verses later, before, sorry, um, God had already told Adam that he is already like God. I've made you in my image. You are exactly like me. So Satan offers him what he already has in God. And you fall for it. You fall for it. Oh, something that God only can give, and you, and you think that you can get it here instead. And, and, and that's what Satan offers, and, and that's what Satan offers us every single time. And, and, and here's the parallel, right? Uh, when we're going through trial and stuff... Sometimes submitting to God just feels like the hardest thing in the world. And so what do we do? We find something else. Anything else. Um, it can be stuff that feels innocent. I don't know, just TV, computer games, uh, whatever. You know, it can be your hobbies. You can get, lose yourself in your work. You can, um, you can do more destructive things like get into drugs, uh, um, sleep around, um, you know, whatever. You know, it, it doesn't matter where... It is. The, the point is you're going to somewhere that's not God to get something that only God can give you. Uh, I remember talking to uh, one of my friends and um, I said, why, why, why do you do this stuff? I mean, it looks, 
I wouldn't want what you're doing. It looks horrible. And he says, I, I just want to be happy. Oh, that's okay. So he's searching for happiness, but he's searching for happiness in a place where he can't really get it. Because the happiness it gives is only temporary. And, and then the more you do that thing, the more you really realize how empty you are. And this is, this is the thing. Satan offers what God can, only God can give and what he already promised. Okay, and we and, and here's the thing, and, and, and we acknowledge, and this is the acknowledging Satan bit, we acknowledge that those things give us what God himself can give, uh, sorry, we acknowledge that the things that uh, give us what God himself can give us are better than God himself. Okay, we really, really believe that we'll get more peace here than we will if we go to God, because it's harder with God. And so we abandon him. And, and here's the thing, if, if you want to know you might, you might think, well, maybe that doesn't touch me. But here's the thing. If there's something in your life that you actually need and it feels like if that was ripped out of your life, you would lose yourself, you're worshipping that thing. And you're trusting that thing more than you trust God. It can be anything. That's the beauty of it. it can, uh, the, tr- the tragedy of it. It can be anything. Even goodness. Adam and Eve weren't tempted with what was evil. They were tempted with what looked good. The tree looked good. They would gain something from it. It looked like they would be someone better. And he tempts us with what looks like it's good, but it's not. It's harmful and it's destructive. And Jesus very clearly just says, get lost. Worship only God. Which is exactly what the, the, the verse he quotes is. It's don't worship other gods. I'm a jealous God. That's an interesting one, jealous God. Here's the point. God wants your attention exclusively. He wants an exclusive relationship with you because he loves you. You know, uh, people might say, well, God can't be jealous, but here's the point. Uh, can a husband be jealous if his wife goes around? Can a wife be jealous if a husband keeps looking at other women? Yes. And that's a correct use of jealousy. That's, you shouldn't be doing that. And here's the point. The other things are fleeting and empty and don't ever satisfy you. You'll get to a point. You always will. And you hear stories about it all the flipping time. It, it gets to this point and you're just like, I'm empty. Even with all this, I'm empty. And relationships and other things also produce negative character. I find, like, if, if, if you, like, you really want to do something, and that's your go-to thing to, to escape or whatever, and then that's hindered. You start getting agitated or, you know, you start, you know, no, go away, I'm trying to do this, you know. So that's that. So overall, we are tempted within trials to do three things. Do it ourselves. That's trusting me and not God. Believe God is against us. That's demanding proof of his love. Or finding comfort in other things, which is needing them more than God. And, and, and three questions come with that when, whenever we're in trial. One, do we seize control? Two, do we doubt his goodness? Three, will we go elsewhere? Now, maybe you've been through all this, you know, and maybe you've, you've, you've messed up in these areas. Um, and the point of all this and the point of God's word isn't to never to bring condemnation unless you completely reject it, but it, it's, 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 it's to bring help and hope and encouragement and comfort. And, 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 and so if, if, if you've done this and you've been here or you are here, then... then, then and, and, God, and God is angry with those things. We, we've discovered that. So, so where, do, where do you stand? Where do I stand? Um, 
Well, here's the thing. Um, there's another story in the Bible. It's in Numbers. Um, they complained again because they like doing that and they don't trust God whatsoever, the Israelites, that is, uh, in the wilderness. They're complaining and God's had enough. And he decides he's going to bring a bit of judgment to the scene. And so he gets angry with them. He sends a load of snakes in, uh, poisonous vipers. And um, they go around the camp of Israel and they bite people and it's, they, they, they can't cure it. They just die. And because uh, he's just had enough at this point. And, um, and, and it's something he promised as well. If you don't listen to me, I will send judgments like I've sent on Egypt. They've got a firm enough warning. Um, and so, so he sends these snakes and, uh, and God's angry with them. But this is what he does in the middle of it. He tells them, make a snake out of bronze. And I want you to put it up on a, on a, on a pole. It looks like a cross. It looks like a cross. You know, like that. It looks like that. I want you to put a snake on it, just a, just a bronze snake. And, and here's what I want you to do within that. Whenever you get bitten, you know, look at it. I'll heal you. I'll make it so it goes away. And that's exactly what they did, and that's exactly what happened. Here's the thing. In the middle of your rebellion, your hatred towards God, your, 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 your need to seize control or your need to just go elsewhere and desert God altogether, in the middle of that, God sends Jesus. And just as we've seen here, he didn't fall at any one of those points. He overcame every single one of them. And he continued doing that for the rest of his life up until his death. And on the cross... Jesus, God says to us, if we look at him, if we look to him and we trust him, his death, just like the snake absorbs the poison when they looked at it, see, Jesus will absorb our sin and all our, all our wrongdoings and all our hatred and all this other rubbish towards God. He'll, he'll heal all of that. He'll, t- he'll, 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 he'll suck it out of us and absorb it. Okay? And because of his resurrection... He rose from the dead. His life, he will give his spirit, the, the, the same spirit that poured on Jesus at his baptism, will pour on you. And it will go into your heart. And it won't just make you clean, but it will help you. And it won't just help you. It will, it's the spirit of God himself. So it's, it's, it's everything that Jesus already did. And he gives that to you as if you did it. So, so when you go through those trials and you mess up, and, and, and you repent towards God. God. God sees it as Jesus overcame those trials already. And so he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees what Jesus did. And he is pleased with you. What a way. What a way forward. Okay? So, so if, if you've been there, look to Jesus. Because you've got forgiveness for, for, for any misgivings about God. You've got forgiveness for being angry with God. You've got all of that. He forgives... Um, all rebellion, all sin, all, all accidental sin, all deliberate sin, all complete hatred. He forgives the whole lot. And he makes you his own. That's a great thing. There's a verse in Job. There's a couple of things, actually, I just want to end with. That's actually, I'm not doing too bad on time. Usually I'm always worrying about my time, but it seems I'm okay. So um, Job 13, 15 um, says, it might be a famous one. Um, if 
even if he kills me, this is Job, I don't know if you know the story of Job, but you know, he, he's all good, and then guess, guess who assaults him? Not God, Satan assaults him. He goes through this horrible time, and, um, and yet he, 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 he continually, even though he's in a battle with himself and all of that, he, he trusts God, and this is what he said, even if God himself kills me, by the way, God is not the one afflicting him, it's Satan, but even if God himself kills me, I will still hope in him. I will still defend my ways before him, or I will still maintain my ways before him. There's another translation of this verse, actually, because it's, it's a bit tricky. It's a bit tricky to translate this one. And, uh, and, it, and it says this, he will kill me. I have no hope. Okay? That sounds like, well, why would I trade that for that? Well, sometimes we're in that state. You know, sometimes we, we realize that we are helpless, and actually there is no hope in our state, and it doesn't seem things will ever get better. But... He says, even though I have no hope, I will still maintain my ways before him. That includes trusting in him. Okay? So whether you're full of hope or you're hopeless, you can still trust God and God will still get you through. And that's exactly what Job saw. And trust me, he suffered. <laughs> he suffered everything. I'll end with one other story, and I will actually end. <laughs> There's a, there's, there's a thing in, in, in the book of Mark, and uh, basically, um, <clears throat> Jesus has just uh, done some stuff, and he comes back um, to his disciples, and, and beforehand, he'd, he'd, um, because he has authority to cast out demons and stuff, right? Jesus does that, yeah? And uh, he'd given authority to the disciples to do that, so they've been going out, they're casting out demons, everything's going fine and dandy, and, you know, and, and good things are happening, and he comes, and there's this argument going on, and he's like, what's up? You know, what's up? And... Uh, and, then, and, and they're like, well, we're trying to cast this demon out, but it just won't go. I don't get it. And he's like, okay. And so, so in the end, basically, Jesus ends up casting it out. And they're like, well, why, why couldn't we? You gave us authority to do it. And he's like, well, basically, it was quite a strong spirit, and you needed to do a bit of prayer beforehand. Don't, don't worry, it's just a tricky thing. It, it's, it's fine, it's done now. And, um, and that's basically that. But here's the thing. The story focuses on the father. And, and here's the thing. This, this, basically, what's happened is this, this dad has a son. That's, this, that's the point. There's a little boy. And, and he keeps having epileptic fits. And it's because of it, there's a demon inside him. And, and uh, I'm not saying all epileptic fits have demons, by the way. That's not what's being said here. It's just in this particular case, it was a demon. And... Um, and, and, and it kept throwing him. He kept having fits every time he went near water or fire to drown him or burn him to death. So this, this spirit wants to kill him. And, um, and he's tried lots of different things. He's been to doctors and that. And, and obviously he hears about what Jesus has been doing recently, you know, in the, in the last year or so. And he's like, wow, people are getting healed. And, and he's heard about what the disciples are doing. And Jesus couldn't be found. So he went to the disciples and said, well, you've cast the, you've cast the demon out of, out of out of those guys, please cast the demon out of my son. I need it gone. And he's full of hope or whatever, maybe. And, and, and they try, and it, and it fails again. And, and it fails again. It's happened again for however many times has he lived with his son in this state. However many times has, has he, you know, uh, tried these things. And he goes to the people he hears can heal anyone, and even they can't heal him. And he is distraught. And it shows, because when Jesus shows up, says what's going on and they, they explain it to him they said say you know what if if you can do anything just just do it i don't, I, I don't even know what to think anymore god's god hasn't god is not coming through I, nothing's coming through I don't, I don't know if you can do anything but if, if you can do it you know probably not expecting anything 
And Jesus looks at him and says, if I can? Excuse me? Okay, he's not, he's not like that. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like, I, I'm Jesus, but I, you can see it from the Father's perspective. You, can get, you get that. You know, and that is our perspective. When, when things are drawn out and we suffer over a long time and, and, and we try and we keep praying or we keep going to people, we keep doing this and there is no help whatsoever, we lose hope. And you know what the Father says in answer to Jesus? It's, you know, if, if I can, the Father says, you know what? I do believe. I've believed my whole entire life and I'm struggling so much. Help me believe. Help me believe, please. Jesus just does that. Helps his belief, casts the demon from his son, it's gone, everything's fixed. Here's the point. Jesus wants to drive the unbelief in your hearts and your minds out from you. He wants it gone for good. That's your reason for your trials. He's sucking it up. He wants it gone. But in order for that to happen, you need to go through the trials. And in it, you need to look back and look forward and trust God. Look back at what he did. Look back at what he, look forward to what he will do. And trust God. Because he is good. And there's a ton of things in this and in your own lives that he's been good to. In trial, we're tempted to forget it. Don't. Forget it. Okay? We are responsible. We're not waiting on God to magically change us. That is not the way it happens. We are responsible to ask him for help in trial. And... <laughs> You know, and, and it says in the Bible, those who ask, receive. It means those who keep asking, receive. And in every test that God, God seeks what's in your heart, and he seeks for you to overcome that evil with his goodness. And, 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 and there's, there's a parable in the Bible that talks about the seed and the sower. You know, the sower throws seed, it falls on random ground. And there's one, there's one thing, this, this plant, it tries to grow up. And, and it, but, it, but the soil is too thin and, and it can't get its roots in. And so when the winds and, and the heat hit it, it just, it just shrivels and, and it, just, it just flops and it dies. Cause, cause it, and, and, and when the disciples are like, well, what does that mean? And Jesus is like, well, that's, that's what happens when, when people, you know, people are all joyful about God in good times. But you know, as soon as trial hits, they, they, they can't trust him whatsoever because they don't actually love him or believe in him. And so, and so, and so they fall. Don't be that guy. Because we, we don't have to be. We don't have to be. It's not, it's, not, it's not fate if some are like that and that's that and that, that's all that will happen. No, 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 no. There's a chance to change. There's a chance to ask God, God, I'm going through this trial or I'm not going through a trouble. When I do, help me <laughs> trust in you. Let me look at this. Let me remember this. Let me remember what's been said today because hopefully that truth will, will, will stir my heart to say no, Satan or demon or whatever or me. A lot of evil comes out of our own hearts. Shut up, Jack. You know, um, don't listen to you. Listen to him. And so we come back. So that my title, how, how Will He Not Also, which is in Romans. And these are the words that Adam and Eve and the Israelites should have, known, or should have said that we should say, and that Jesus did say, if God is for us, who really is against us? It basically means if God is for us, no one can be against us. He's the biggest thing out there. He did not even spare his own son, but he offered him up for us in the middle of our hatred and our rebellion. In that case, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Everything. 
who can really separate us from God's love. Affliction, anguish, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, trials, trials, trials. In all things, we are more than victorious in him, through him, not in ourselves. I'm persuaded that not even life nor death, angels or rulers, anything present, any trial or thing to come, any hostile powers, nothing will separate us from God's love for us. So if he's given his son, how much more will he help you in this if you trust him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just... Yeah, thank you for your help today. I, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you... Uh, yeah, this is, this is a lot to take in, <laughs> in all fairness. It could easily be broken down. But I, I, I just pray that what, what's been said, I just pray that you, you help people remember this. You know, um, not Jack's sermon, but God's word. You know, uh, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this, this, is, this is something we can keep coming back to. This is something when they read it again, they can write, oh yeah, that's what that means. And, and that's good because that means that can apply to life. And then that's what we want. I pray for the people who are going through trials right now. There are, I know a few people who are going through some hard stuff uh, right now. And, and, and I pray, and, and, I, and there are people I don't know who are going through hard stuff, but I pray for all of them, really. I pray that your words take root in their lives, that they don't become like this plant who has no soil, but, but has an abundant amount of soil to grow its roots down. I pray we, we start trusting you um, in, in our trials. I pray, Lord Jesus, that... Um, when we're tempted to, to do things for ourselves or uh, in the middle of them or we're tempted to, to, to doubt who you are and think, you know what, you're just being evil to me or, or even just are, are just flaking out and going somewhere else and saying, I can't, I can't, I can't be a part of God, this just doesn't work. I need something else, I need, I need this. I pray all those things, all those strongholds, all those whatever, I pray you break it by your spirit. I pray you bring us back to know you. I pray we are, we are the second Israel. You know, and I pray for we are your people. You have made us that way. And our Lord God, I thank you for that. You've given us so much hope. And I just, I just pray as your people lead us. As, let us not be like the first Israel in the wilderness. But let us be like the one after it who trusted God. There was, there, was, there was a load of people who, when, when one generation died out, there was another lot that actually trusted God. And let's be like that generation of, of Israelites. Let that be the second Israel where we trust you in completely, Jesus. Whatever happens, let us be like Job and say, even though there is no hope in this situation, I will trust God and I will maintain my ways or his ways. You know, I will, I will keep going. And be with us. It says you're with us in all trial and affliction. Be with us. Let us, let us know your presence, Lord. But let us not panic when we, don't, we can't feel it. Let us just know the truth that you are actually there. Because it is true. There's nowhere you can't be. So yeah, help us all, Lord Jesus. And uh, yeah, just help this be applied throughout the week. Lord Jesus, thank you. Amen. Okay, cool. So, um,